Hello, everyone. Hi, listeners. Welcome to another week and another episode of I'm Horrified. Another day, another dollar. We don't get paid that much. <laughs> another day. What's that lyric from that Taylor Swift song? Another, another drama, drama. But not for me, not for me. All I think about is karma. That was from her um, Bad Girl record. I think that that was from Kendrick Lamar, actually. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. They um, have collabed, so it's possible. Oh my god, On you're Bad right Blood. that yeah. they have. Wow, I two, forgot about that. Two artists. That was coming from, like, you know, <laughs> one day I was like, wow, that really happened. And then it just kind of laid in my subconscious. Anywho, welcome everyone. And welcome to another episode of I'm Horrified. I'm Sam Buntich. And I'm Allie Rayner. And we're, and we're happy to have you here in our s- salon. In the salon. In the salon. I like the idea of like when smart ladies in the past would just have a living room to hang out with yeah. their other lesbian friends in. Absolutely. I wish that we could bring that back. I feel as though we have. In a way, what is this but the audio version of that? Oh, Think yeah. about it. I want some like... I'm going to, like, commission Becky to do some fan art Mm. of, like, us salon style. (laughs) I'd like me on some kind of fainting couch. Yes. Um, But I'm also, like, yelling at someone. I'd like you splayed out maybe over multiple fainting couches. I would love that. I'd like a really tasteful rendition of that um, image of Rose from Titanic. Mm. But it's me, and it's drawn by my friend. Mm -hmm. Fully closed. (laughs) No, no, still 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 nude. nude. Um, yeah, I'd like to be, like, holding a manuscript and, like, pouring yes. red wine over it. I love that. Like, it's something that one of my many spurned lovers gave to me, and I'm like, ugh, derivative. Perfect. So so we'll work on that. So the fan art community, <laughs> if you could just get on that. I know there's a lot of fan art um, of us, so yeah. just, just get on that when you have a moment. Yeah, yeah just kind of keep it in the rotation. Yeah. Anywho. Anyways, um, we're going to do the show now. Yeah. Um, what are you going to talk about this week, Al? I'm going to be talking about Clara and Henry Rathbone. Do you know I, who they are? No. You sure? I don't think so. No, you probably don't know who they are. Whom? Whomst? Whomst could Sam, this have been? What are you going to talk about? Um, Today I'm going to talk about bad TV finales. Ooh. I'm going to roast three shows. I'm very excited about this. From my own personal anger. No yeah, one asked for this. You could probably do more, honestly. Yeah, these were just the three that were top, that I'm still mad about. The right. rest have petered off. Mm-hmm. But, the Sopranos um, didn't really bug you. No, I thought it was an interesting choice to end The Sopranos that way. Oh, I agree. Um, my parents watched it live and were very angry and did think that their TV cut out. They were some I of think the people so who were mine. like, yeah. what? Um, but before we get to that, yes, we're going to talk about the Rathbones. That sounds like someone who would have an image of, a, of them holding a manuscript and spilling red wine. Something like that happened. They, they seem fancy. Uh, would you believe me if I told you that they are connected to the assassination of Abraham Lincoln? No, but I'm thrilled. <laughs> All right. Are we in? Are we hooked? Tell me about we it. We have a big historical narrative to tie in. I saw... I, we, I'm going to cut this out. You're going to cut this out. <laughs> I saw the funniest tweet the other day, and it was talking about the assassination of Lincoln. And it was like, um, imagine if... Uh, like, people don't realize how weird it was that, like, the brother of the most famous actor, actor in the world killed the president, like... Imagine if Liam Hemsworth killed the president and Chris Hemsworth was just also there. And also he quoted from Hamlet, which was like his brother's most famous role. So imagine if like Liam Hemsworth said like, I am the god of Asgard and then killed the president. (laughs) And then killed Donald Trump. Yeah, that would be something. I was like, wow, what context? Okay, back to your story. sure would be the world that we're living in. Um... So yeah, I think that we can all agree that Abraham Lincoln being fatally shot in a theater and dying at the age of 56 was, if nothing else, a bummer. Yeah. He was probably one of our best presidents, and things were going pretty well at the time, and you know, wouldn't it have been nice if he wasn't violently murdered? Yeah. Say la vie, though, right? Yeah. What are you going to do? We live, we learn. Yeah. Um, What many of you may not know is that there is another tragic tale laying in wait at the Ford's Theater viewing booth (gasps) sitting right next to them. What? And that is the tale of Clara and Henry Rathbone, the president and first ladies invited guests on that fateful night, April 14th, 1865. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. There's like a whole thing. Oh my God. There's this whole other thing. We're going to talk about it. Are you excited? I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. Okay. 
So I'll just jog everyone's memory about what was going on with AB Cakes before we get into the Rathbones. I can't say it any other way. No, you have to. Like, Rathbones. Rathbones. The Rathbones. Yeah. Spoilers for the Lincoln presidency, if you haven't uh, caught up with that. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't finished the second season, I do get a little bit into the second season. Um, so... April 14th, 1865, General Robert E. Lee has just surrendered days before this. Woo! So the nation's like, fuck yeah. Everyone's in very high spirits. We're hype. Lincoln had invited General Henry Rathbone and his then fiance Clara Harris, which is a fun name. Yeah, that's a good one. To join him and Mary Todd for an evening at the Ford Theater to see our American cousin. Now, before I get into the saucy murder stuff, let me give you some background on Henry and Clara. Henry was a diplomat and obviously a soldier turned general because he's like General Henry, whatever. Um, and he was the son of a wealthy businessman who had become the mayor of Albany. Hey! Which is where you're from, Sam. I'm That's from fun. the Albany area. Um, so, you know, he lived in Albany. That's where he was born, etc. Clara Harris was also born in Albany. Hey! And she was about three years older than Henry. Ooh. And wouldn't you know it, after Henry's father, the mayor of Albany, died, his mother remarried, and she remarried a man named Ira Harris. Ira Harris was Clara's father. So what I'm hearing is this is uh, Life with Derek. That's from- literally, I had that written down. I literally wrote that down. I, oh. <laughs> I'm so glad we're on the oh same Oh my page. God. Um, yes, they're, they met as step-siblings. <laughs> That's Eight romance novels I can think of off the top of my head. Just like, yeah. And a hundred porns. I literally wrote down, this made me think of that old (laughs) Disney Channel TV show, Life with Derek, (laughs) and that the whole show was just about the weird sexual tension between two teenage step siblings. Yeah. That's that's, Henry and Clara. That's what's happening in this house, y'all. That must Um, be so awkward. Like, like you're coming into your own, you're going through puberty, and then there's like someone so hot there that you legally could bang, but like morally should you? But like, maybe. Well, that's what's going down in the 1850s, Albany. Holy shit. Um, Albany, the sexiest city in the world. Crazy. (laughs) But, like, so goes the matters of the heart, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they meet because they're siblings, and then somewhere along the line... (laughs) Step-siblings. It's more fun to say something. Um, Somewhere along the line, they fall in love. Everyone's kind of fine with it, for whatever reason, and they get engaged. And I'm like, did they get engaged while they were still living together? Like... (laughs) Is that allowed? Move in with me, but just not here. Is this allowed? <laughs> um, so they're engaged. But then, oh no, the Civil War breaks out. So Henry goes off and fights in the war, and he gets all chummy chummy with Abraham Lincoln. And that is, I guess, what ultimately ends up destroying both of their lives. But how could they know that? Holy shit, what? <laughs> um, okay, back to the theater. Ah! We're back in the theater. Oh my god. The Lincolns and the Rathbone Harrises arrive to the theater late after the performance has already started. Which is bad theater etiquette. Not for the president, I guess. I guess. Um, so everyone sees them come in because that's what the presidential box is for. To be like, oh, the president's here. Yeah. It's a whole idea. Um, and so everyone starts cheering. Literally in the middle of this fucking theater production. That's awful theater etiquette. <laughs> everyone just starts like, yay. Um, Imagine like, if like someone had just finished a monologue and they hear all this cheering and they're like, yeah, I nailed it. But then you look over oh, and it's just fucking Lincoln. that's too bad. Okay, but like Lincoln is like Tom Brady after the Super Bowl right now. <laughs> he just stuck it to the Confederacy. Everyone's loving it. So they give him a full standing ovation and the band starts playing Hail to the Chief. <laughs> like... They fully are just, and I'm they sure that all the, the actors were into it too. They were just like, no, I mean, he did the damn thing. Yeah. Like, we're glad that he's here. Ford's Theater is his duck boat. Literally. <laughs> um, are you out there, Boston? Um, yeah, and like, it's like, no, no, please, I'm just a humble man because he's so like Lincoln y. Um, I'm imagining Daniel Day Lewis through all of this. Yeah, obviously. Duh. And Mary Todd's like, yeah, that's my hot, victorious <laughs> husband. I'm totally gonna like it. Like, bang this guy later. Yeah. She does not get to. Oh. For reasons I'll explain. Oh, they never get to bang again. He gets shot. Yeah. I forgot. I'll explain. Um, okay. John Wilkes Booth. Yikes. <laughs> he is a Confederate sympathizer, as well as a distinguished actor. Yep. He's a whack job. He's, like, anti-abolitionist who thought that assassinating Lincoln would put an end to the unification of the country. And bring slavery back, I guess. So he's a real piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and while he was wrong, he sure did make an impression. <laughs> uh, fun fact, John Wilkes Booth actually had performed on the Ford Theater stage. A lot of people, I think, know this fun fact. It's not that fun anymore. I don't know it. 
but yeah, no, he had performed in a production at the Ford Theater, so he knew the layout of the theater, and he was also familiar with the production of Our American Cousin, and knew that during a certain part of the play, the crowd would burst into laughter. Laughter loud enough to mask a gunshot. <gasps> I love that for an actor to know, like, this, this line's gonna fucking kill, and then so will I. Yeah, but it's like if, like, during Avenue Q, like, you were <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, during the internet is for porn, I could totally, like, shoot this guy, because it's, it's so funny. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> it's such a good... It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I have an excerpt from a great article, um on historictruecrime.com that I just thought the writing was very like Ooh. it was dramatic it was saucy and so that. it kind of brings us through what happened so yes. I'd love to do a dramatic reading if I could I'm begging you to may I yes <clears throat> <clears throat> for a few moments confusion paralyzed Lincoln's companions then as the first lady screamed and the president slumped in his chair Henry Rathbone leapt into action he rushed towards Booth in an attempt to prevent the assassin from escaping Booth slashed at Rathbone with a dagger, then plunged the weapon into the, the man's arm. Despite his injury, Rathbone again tried to detain Booth. He managed to grab the assailant's coat before Booth jumped from the box and onto the stage. <gasps> so he, like, jumped from the fucking Booth yeah. onto the stage and he ran away. Yeah. He, like, broke his leg, too. Wild. Ha-ham. <clears throat> uh, from there, he crossed the floorboards to make his escape. Twelve days later, federal soldiers tracked Booth to a Virginia farm, where he was shot in a barn the troops had set fire to. Booth would later die a few hours later. Yikes, so he didn't even die shot in the barn that was on fire. I know. <laughs> I would just, again, you guys know that I don't have, like... Not one survival a, instinct. A lot of survival instincts, but I would just rather die in that barn. Yeah, I would be... As like, soon as I was shot or the barn was on fire, I'd be like, great, I'm out. Pick one. Let alone yeah. both. Yeah, what would you prefer? No, never mind. Um... <laughs> As the government officials, family members, and physicians in attendance at Lincoln's death grappled with their feelings of bewilderment and despair, lost was the fact that Rathbone had received a wound so severe it threatened his own life. Oh no! Booth's knife had plunged into Rathbone's arm almost to the bone, <gasps> severing an artery in the process. Oh, that's very bad. Mm-hmm. Rathbone lost a significant amount of blood and faded in and out of consciousness. He eventually received care for his injury and recovered. Yet, as Rathbone's body healed and the country, both north and south, settled into a period of extended mourning, the young major's presence at the assassination, as well as his belief, however misguided, that he could have done more to help the president, started a mental deterioration that, years later, would affect Rathbone and his family in an appalling way. Oh, gosh. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they leave you on such suspense. <clears throat> I don't think it's like a important website but whoever did this great work incredible work um so yeah it's about to get bad a few other things that happened that night um that i think are worth noting so they all went across the street to like a house across the street mm -hmm. and tried to like care for the president and clara was holding henry in her arms as both he and the president were basically dying um, and no one, including Clara, was really paying attention to Henry. Yikes. Like, at all. <laughs> and because, There was a lot going on. I mean, the president was dying, but still, like, ouch. You know, I would be hurt by that. But anyways, Clara was covered in Henry's blood because he was stabbed. And she was wearing this white silk dress. So, like, her white dress was caked in blood. Damn. And so eventually, Henry was taken away to be treated but Clara stayed with Mary Todd to comfort her. Okay. But like, again, like, ouch. <laughs> I mean, I Wouldn't don't... you go with your almost husband? I guess like it was just his arm. So like maybe they didn't understand arteries fully. And she was like, he's fine. Like the president's dead. And maybe she didn't totally get that like this blood is Henry's that's caking me. I don't know. It sounds like she's got something coming. Oh no. No, of course she doesn't. But it's terrible still. Um... So yeah, in a letter that Clara writes later, she said that she went up to Mary Todd and Mary Todd saw her covered in blood and she said, oh, my husband's blood, my dear husband's blood. And in the letter, she's like, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to make a thing out of it. Yeah. So I didn't really say anything. What, what can you say yeah. in that moment? Um, and she also did a photo shoot in the blood-soaked dress. Interesting. I tried to find pictures. I couldn't. Oh my God. I was really disappointed by that. We should recreate it. And then also apparently she kept that white satin dress in her closet and eventually had it bricked into a wall of her home because she couldn't bear to look at it, but she also couldn't bear to throw it away. 
Respect. That's coming back. Okay. That's going to come back. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. Okay. I respect that as a move, frankly. It's so mysterious. Any what? <laughs> the country is in mourning. Henry and Clara get married at some point, uh-huh. and Henry has started to full-scale lose it. Yikes. He's distraught over the fact that he didn't save the president, and also starting to become paranoid and convinced that everyone thinks it was his fault. Which no one does. No, like, the, the DC society is, like, pointing fingers at him and scorning him. And Clara actually noted in her personal letters that they would often be recognized in public. So she says... I understand his distress. In every hotel we're in, as soon as people get wind of our presence, we feel ourselves becoming objects of morbid scrutiny. But then she goes on to say, um, Henry imagines that the whispering is more malicious than it can possibly be. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, people are like, oh, that's the people who are like right there. Like, of course. Yeah. But they're not saying it's their fault. Yeah. Like, he's becoming paranoid to the point of delusion. So he also begins drinking heavily. Feels like that's a great combo with his delusions. Totally. I mean, what else are you supposed to do when you're a man who has more than two feelings at once? Amen, um, sister. You know, and he starts dipping his toes into a light to severe gambling addiction. Love it. He has a bunch of affairs. Love that for him. But he's also getting violently paranoid that Clara is the one having an affair. Even though it's him. So that's an excellent one-two punch right there. I love that. That We call that the toxic masculinity (laughs) one-two punch. Um, At some point, they have three children, two sons and a daughter, and they live in this gorgeous house in D.C., but Henry's mental state is deteriorating to the point where he can't hold down a job. Mm. He's getting so increasingly paranoid that he thinks Clara is planning to divorce him and take their children away. And he's getting like, he's flying into these sets of rage. And every year on the anniversary of Lincoln's assassination, journalists come by the house and they try to interview him about what happened. And he's like, you know what? TBH, no comment. Yeah. Um, But it's just getting worse and worse. Like the further they get away from it, you think that Clara's like, oh, it's like, you know, he's just got to kind of put it behind him. But it's just, it's getting worse and worse with every passing year. Mm -hmm. So in 1882, Henry gets reassigned to be the U.S. consul to Hanover in Germany. And Clara's like, this is great. We're going to leave D.C. Mm-hmm. We'll get away from this traumatizing event. And people won't just recognize us as the people yeah. that were there when fucking Lincoln died. Henry's going to get better. Like, she's been trying to hold it together this whole time. Yeah, the poor, poor thing. thing. Poor Clara. So it's this wonderful new start for us in a new country. Isn't that great? So yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Great. And that yeah. was another episode of I Figured It Out. <laughs> Uh, our podcast they just learn about German. Our, they know, eat pretzels. Our <laughs> podcast about people where it looks bad for a second, but it turns but out then okay. It's totally okay. <laughs> Nothing happens to anyone. What happens next? Al? It's not nice at all. Oh, so God. what happens is that on the morning of December twenty third, eighteen eighty three, you're counting right. That is two days before Christmas. Oh God. Henry enters the children's bedroom in a fit of rage. Oh no! With a gun and a knife, <gasps> as John Wilkes Booth did that fateful night. Oh God. And he tries to attack his children. Clara throws herself between Henry and her children. Yeah, of course. And she is fatally shot in the head. Oh, So God. he murders her. And then he tries again to attack his children, but the groundskeeper at that point heard the noise yeah. and is able to defend the children. And after he realizes what he's done, it does seem like he was... It doesn't seem like he was like... You know, she's going to leave me and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there's some of that in the delusion. But he clearly had, like, a mental break. Like, he didn't know what he was doing. I guess we'll never really know, but that's kind of what... It seems. It seems like happened. And so, like, he comes to and realizes what he's done. And so he starts stabbing himself to try (gasps) to commit suicide. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, So, uh, I'm not going to say suicide. I'm going to do that again. And so he starts stabbing himself oh my god like what happened those many years ago oh geez when he got stabbed yeah i know so it's like it's this insane situation it's terribly tragic you know clara has been murdered her children are left without either parent because you know he's tried for murder and ultimately found insane by a german court and he lives out the rest of his life in an asylum oh damn it is just the most tragic situation terrible it really is and so like i'm not trying to say that mary todd lincoln didn't have it rough 
But, like, she didn't need to spend decades placating a madman and then die screaming for the lives of her children. True. Like, that's... I'm not trying to, like... I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's... That's Holy basically shit. it. Holy shit. Yeah, that's it. That's the story. It's horrifying and it's terrible. And I can't believe something this dramatic is tangentially connected to one of the most famous events in history. How have they not made some kind of Lifetime movie about this? I don't know. And can they? And will they? And can we? (laughs) And what C-list celebrities will it star? Oh, good. I mean, I feel like they usually star... Who's the one who played... Christina Ritchie. She played what's yes, her face. Yes, she was um, Lizzie Stanton. Took an she axe. was yeah, she was Lizzie Lizzie Stanton. Um, that, that Lizzie Stanton? I thought it was Lizzie Borden. Borden. Who's Lizzie Stanton? Who's Lizzie? I need to know. Elizabeth Stanton. Lizzie Borden. Yeah, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her father forty wax. Elizabeth Katie Stanton. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> She um, was a pioneer for uh, women's voting. <laughs> Christina Ritchie could have played her. Yeah, she um, should. Frankly. Yeah. Did you watch that Lifetime movie where Christina Ritchie played Lizzie Borden? Yes, of course I did. We watched it together, I think. Did we watch it together? I think we did. Because genuinely, the most of it was done, but the very end was very good. The end of it was good. When she whispered in her it. sister's ear, and this, it's just the sister's face. It's okay. Excellent. Excellent work, Christina Ritchie. And you'll do an excellent job when you're playing... Clara. Clara Harris. Oh my god. Um. Oh, I said that I would talk about the white satin dress. Oh, I? yes. Um... So, like I said, uh, Clara bricked it into the wall of their summer home in Albany. Some say she did this because she saw the ghost of Lincoln and was like, be gone, foul Mm -hmm. spirit. But probably she just didn't want to look at it, but Mm -hmm. she also didn't want to get rid of it. In 1910, one year before Henry Sr.'s death, Henry Jr., their son, Henry Riggs Rathbone, had the dress, like, removed. Like, he tore the brick down. Wow. Ripped the dress out of the house. And had it burned. Wow. Because he said it's what brought a curse upon their family. Oh. I find that less like, oh, I'm more like, what the fuck? I mean. <laughs> but it is super sad. It did not bring a curse upon their family. I mean, that's true. Is what I would say. I'm also like, why did you take a photo shoot in that? She did. I love that for her. I'm sorry. She did seem like. I'm a big Claire apologist. She did seem like a little extra in a way that I loved. Yeah. Like a lot of the pictures of her, she's just got this like kind of smirk on and I just kind of love it. Yeah. She gives me kind of like um, Isabella Stewart Gardner vibes. Oh, you know I love Isabella Stewart Gardner. I love her. Everybody Google her if you don't know who she is. I love her so much. We should do her actually because she, she's an ultimately victorious character, but she did have a lot of tragedy in her life. Very Gloria Vanderbilt. Very, very much so. Very similar energies, mm-hmm. Gloria Vanderbilt and Isabel Stewart Gardner. There you go. So that's the uh, Rathbones. Oh, man. That's them. Oh, man. Isn't that fun? That was so, that was fun. And also, I'm like, how did I not know any of this? I know. I, I never had no even, idea. I never even really connected that there were people there with them that day, you know? Yeah, well, I thought about it and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess in the photos. There are other people other in there. There are people in the booth. Maybe there was like more than two more. Maybe there's like four other people and they all had like. They all murdered each other, Crazy too. things happen. Shit. Who knows? Well, there you go. Oh my god. Well, thank you, Allie. You are welcome. What a tale. It was a it was a delight. Pour me more wine, too. Yeah. I'm gonna hear me opening this bottle of Barefoot because it's not a cork, it's a screw top. Sponsor us, Barefoot. Do you think Barefoot would ever sponsor us? It's too much. I think I would love it if Barefoot sponsored us because I think a Barefoot wine partnership with our Adam and Eve... Is just Discount. about the, the, the kind of evening I'm looking That's for. That's just about the best night you can have. Cheers to that. Cheers. Clank. <laughs> Those aren't real glass. <laughs> Alrighty. I just need mm-hmm. for you to talk to me about bad TV finales. Uh, that's what I need as well. So, Cause I I've, mean, let's, let's do it. Let me tell you, I, I put on a front like I'm a happy-go-lucky girl, but I've <laughs> held a lot of anger. Yeah. Uh, in my heart for a long time. And today we exercise it like a demon. Okay, you guys. We're talking about bad TV finales. I love content. I love watching TV shows and then thinking about them and then going on Reddit to read other people's theories about them and then reading a fanfic and then watching a YouTube video essay. I like it all. (laughs) When I like a show, I like to go deep. You really do. I really do. It's why I think you're so talented at what you do on this show, because... Thanks, baby. You can tear <laughs> useless pop culture research a goddamn new one. You I really, really can. can. <laughs> you can bleed the internet dry of its yes. resource. But so what I'm saying is I've been emotionally invested in a lot of content in my life. 
Should I tell them what just happened? No. No, I can tell them. Yeah. <laughs> so I just spilled wine on my shirt and I picked my shirt up to wipe the wine off of my chest and I lifted my whole shirt up and just flashed Sam my boob. She wasn't wearing a bra. No. Why would I be wearing a bra right now? I'm wearing a bra right now. Why? <laughs> Don't cover your clothes. I undid my whole belt while you're talking. Well, I'm disappointed that your bra is still on. And if any of you still have bras on, I'm disappointed in you. Take them off. I don't care if you're on the train. I don't care if you're at work. I am personally disappointed in you. I've been tired enough at my place of work that I've just unbuttoned my bra. So, like, it's still on my body, but it's no longer fastened. I think part of me driving to work now is that the second I get in my car, like, I unbutton the skirt. (laughs) Yeah. I take the bra fully off. Love that. I'm, like, ripping eyelashes off. It's just the, the greatest thing. And I'm, like, blasting a podcast. Yes. It's great. All right. So, sorry about that interlude, Sorry for quick. It's nothing I haven't seen. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, all right. So, I don't really regret much of the content I've imbibed, no matter how stupid it is. If it gave me something, if it gave me a moment of pleasure, I'm not sorry. Yeah. It's about the journey, people. But there are three occasions I have regretted content. And those three times are the summer that I binge-watched Gossip Girl. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> the years I spent watching How I Met Your Mother. Years. And my life as a Game of Thrones apologist. We're about to get personal. Right we now. really are. This is some deep stuff for me. And and it's like, why did I why do I regret these three content experiences? It's just because these shows were totally destroyed in my mind and my heart by their finales. Um going forward, spoiler alert for three these three shows. I'm about to tell you exactly what happens in every finale. I feel like it's been long enough on all of them. Like, if you if you didn't hear what happened on Game of Thrones at this point, have you been on the internet? And then the other two ended 100 years ago. So I enjoyed so much. I'm one of those people who's like, I stopped watching Game of Thrones after all the raping. Yeah. Um, which, you know, has become kind of a meme. But, mm-hmm. like, it is true. It's because I feel like everyone was just kind of like, whoa, yikes. Yeah. All right. Season five, everyone was like, I'm actually good. Yeah. So... I actually loved watching, because I really liked the show beforehand, and I read some of the books, but I really loved watching all of the reaction videos, yes. specifically, I'm sure you'll talk about Lindsay Ellis's video. Oh, I'm sure I will. Um, so, like, th- I loved watching that critique. I yes. love media critique. But if for some reason, like, you haven't met- watched How I Met Your Mother and you don't want to know who the mother is, like, this is not the episode for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but this is for me. I'm not sorry. This is a catharsis for me personally. This is really not for you guys <laughs> this is right not now. Not for anyone else. But this me. is about Sam. We need to be here for her. We're holding space for Sam Puntage right now. She has Thank done you. enough for us over the years. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> so yes, today we are going to talk about the finale so bad they ruin the entire show. They destroy the rewatchability and they make you rue the time that you wasted. Um, before I will launch in, I do want to mention that I have some pity for the writers of these programs, right? Writing a TV show is very different than writing a movie. Like, yep. it could go on for who knows how long. So, those like, poor writers on Lost. <laughs> those poor, poor Lost writers. They had no choice. <laughs> but yeah, you basically go into a TV show either, like, A, knowing how it ends and you just kind of vamp until you want to end the show. Or B, totally not having any idea how it ends and you just keep going until you're like, oh, are we ending this season? Okay, here's an ending. And, like... Both of these are very difficult to balance. Like, if you know how a show ends, you can lay in hints and themes that will really pay off, but you also can't really be flexible as things change and grow in the show, Yep. uh, which we're going to talk about when I talk about How I Met Your Mother. Um, (laughs) But if you don't know the ending, like, you can be as flexible as you want, but you are also, like, really likely to, like, drop random things in the middle and then pick a new thing up and it doesn't really make any sense and, like, why were you doing that? So I get that it's hard, but I just think these three shows really fucked it up. And I'm going to explain why. Here we go. Thrilled. Uh, You're like breathing heavily. (laughs) You're like so... Let me shun the rest of this wine. You are. I mean, you're a true cancer in that you feel your feelings really hard. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to conflict, sometimes you bottle it. Yeah. And then it all comes out like inappropriately and all at once. (laughs) And that's what's about to happen. Yeah. So... We're at we're at the precipice, everyone. <laughs> Let's talk about Gossip Girl. So Gossip Girl is the least painful of these because I binged it, so it was only one summer of my life wasted, as opposed to years. <laughs> but it still hurts. Years of academy <laughs> training wasted. <laughs> Here we go. 
So Gossip Girl, for those of you who don't know, tell the story of Manhattan's elitist teenagers Frenching and fighting their way through the Upper East Side. It's, <laughs> it's campy garbage fun. I loved it. Uh, the framing device of Gossip Girl is that there is a website called Gossip Girl that is reporting on the lives of these sexy teenagers. Note that I said framing device and not the central mystery. Who Gossip Girl is does not actually matter to the show. Like, sure, the characters get annoyed by her and her reporting will sometimes move the plot along, but it is really, really not that important to the plot who Gossip Girl is. Yeah, it's like Carrie Bradshaw's like, but I had to wonder. Yeah. It literally, like, it'll just be like, in Manhattan, like, these lives go wild, XOXO, Gossip Girl. And it's Kristen Bell. And it's Kristen Bell, which is very fun. So we cut to the end of the show. Six seasons of this show has happened. Everyone has dated everyone, and now they're married. Um, and for reasons I've never understood, they decide to make the last episodes about who Gossip Girl is. Again, that's never mattered. Mm -hmm. No one's ever watched the show and been like, but who is the Gossip Girl? It's just not important. It just doesn't matter. They didn't, or at least they didn't choose to make it important. No, it, it had not been important. So not only do they make it about that, but it turns out that Gossip Girl is one of the main cast members and the primary love interest, Dan Humphreys. Yeah, and it's a boy. That's why everyone's like, what? <laughs> but it's just like, the fact that it was Dan puts the the entire rest of the series in such a radically different context. Like, because it wasn't some fringe person, it was a guy who was involved with them the whole time, who was also blogging about them for some reason. So like, like imagine if someone had a blog about our college friend group, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's the two of us. It's like our really good friend, Dylan. It's like Becky and then her auxiliary, like theater tech friends. Yep. Then like you start dating Chris. So it's like him. And all of a sudden, there's and then Chris is fucking Gossip Girl. <laughs> no, and then like I'm Gossip Girl. Oh, how dare you! <laughs> like someone so central to all the stories. It's like, why were you writing about yourself so much? That's wild. It's so fucking crazy. Like it doesn't make any sense. And again, just frustrates me because they could have just ended the show and never revealed who Gossip Girl was. Mm -hmm. And I would have preferred that because it doesn't matter who Gossip Girl was. And the fact that they felt like that was important enough to end the show just shows that they weren't plugged in to what the people watching it cared about. Or that could have been the finale to, like, the penultimate season. Yeah. And there could have been fallout. Yeah, you know fine. What I mean? But they just, it ends with Dan being like, I'm Gossip Girl. And everyone's like, Dan. And then he still marries <laughs> Serena. <laughs> um, yeah. Or he could have gone full, like, I'm a serial killer, I've been planning to, like, wear all of your skin for mm -hmm. this whole time, and I'm going to do that. And it ends, like, full American Psycho style. I would have respected that. I would have respected that. That's basically what he's doing in his new Netflix show, You. Oh, there you go. That's that guy. That's that guy's Gossip that Girl. Think about that, you guys. <laughs> Chew on that. Um, great point, Sam. Thank you so much. I hope they change it when they do the Gossip Girl reboot for HBO. Yes, I will be watching it. Um, oh, that's happening? Yes. Wow. They're making a new Gossip Girl. Wow. I'm going to watch it. Because I love being hurt. So. <laughs> how I Met Your Mother. Oh, this is a personal one for you. Allie, I loved How I Met Your Mother. I know. I watched it all when it actually played on TV. Something very rare in this age of streaming. <laughs> you youngins won't understand <laughs> that out there. I rewatched it when the reruns would air on TBS. I loved it. And then it ruined itself and I will die mad about it. <laughs> So, again, for those of you who have not been on the internet recently, How I Met Your Mother is the story of Ted Mosby. and in He's the a real kind of Ross, though. He's, he's not that important. No, he's not really. <laughs> but in the future, he's telling his kids the story of how he met their mother, hence the title of the show. And the show is that story, which makes for some really fun stuff where, like, they'll obviously be smoking weed, but because he's telling his kids, he'll say, like, oh, we were eating sandwiches. And, like, in the show, like... The, he and his friends are eating these sandwiches and being like, can you believe the sky is blue? And it's like a funny reference of like, obviously they're smoking weed, but like, it's an unreliable narrator. It's very fun. Love that. <laughs> it really was fun. Uh, and the other main characters are his friends, Lillian Marshall, who are married, his friend Barney, a known Casanova, and his friend Robin, who he dates on and off throughout the series. And as the series progresses, 
there's all of a sudden this great chemistry between Robin and Barney. They're both really sarcastic and career focused, but they bring out each other's soft side. And in the very first episode, Ted makes it clear that Robin is not the mother. So everyone's like, oh, Robin and Barney should get together. That would be such a fun pairing. They really would even each other out. And like, finally, Robin and Ted aren't dating on and off every single fucking season anymore. Mm -hmm. What a fun thing this would be. And so the writers do that, which is very exciting to the fans of How I Met Your Mother. They bring them together. It's like this whole big character growth thing for both of them. And the entire final season takes place on the day of their wedding. And it's revealed that Robin and Barney's wedding is when Ted meets the mother. So we're all so excited. Like, wow, at the end of this, Ted's going to meet the mother. This is going to be crazy. We've yeah. been nine seasons. Fuck yeah. It's going to be thrilling. And so, like, the whole season, the mother now appears in the show, but Ted keeps missing her. They don't quite meet yet, but we know it's her and they're going to meet. It's very exciting. And in the penultimate episode, Barney and Robin finally get married. Yay. And then in the beginning of the final episode, Ted and the mother meet. Yay. And then it cuts to two years later and Robin and Barney have gotten divorced. And there's a single log of dialogue that Ted reveals the mother is dead. And now Ted is still in love with Robin. and He's going to marry her. Wait, what? So he's, wait, she's dead? <laughs> so the mother's dead. In two years? In, no. So it, it cuts to two years later, Robin and Barney get divorced. And then it's revealed the reason that Ted is telling his kids the story of how he met their mother is because she's dead. And he's kind of asking for their permission to go and court their aunt Robin, who they've grown up with as their aunt. That's so fucking weird. It's so fucking weird. I never watched How I Met Your Mother, so I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's weird. And so, like, we fall in love with this mother character over the final season. And then they just ruin and it. And there's one line of dialogue that was like, and I loved your mother until the day she died. And then it, like, shows her, like, in a hospital bed sick. And then it's like, and now I'm single. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and now I want to bone down. <laughs> with your Aunt Robin. So... People were furious about this because this was one of those things where the creators decided what the ending would be in season two. Right. And they did that because they had been filming these two teenagers like reacting as Ted's future kids and those actors were getting older. So they were like, we have to film the finale while they still are teenagers because this show might run for 10 years and they'll be in their 20s. So they filmed the finale during season two. It went on for another seven seasons. <laughs> And then they just, like, plugged this finale back in. That sucks. It sucks, right? And also, like, with this kooky, zany thing, they could have just been like, oh, this is taking so long. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like we're literally aging <laughs> yes. as you tell this, but they're still in, like, teeny bopper clothes. I think that would have been funny. Exactly. And it's like, so many people were so mad because there was so much growth for so many of the characters and then it was like, oh, but it turns out Ted and Robin are just meant to be together like they were on the first episode. But I'm assuming that they built it to the fact that, no, they weren't. Yeah. And like the whole show was about Ted having to go through these things and change so he could meet the mother and how all those experiences informed the person he was when he finally met the love of his life. And then they're like, surprise, Robin was the love of his life. So yeah, his marriage was meaningless. <laughs> the, ba the mom was just like the baby factory, I guess. And now she's dead. Ew. It really bummed me out. And again, I can't rewatch the show anymore because I know that the sexual tension between Robin and Barney doesn't really matter. Ted going on all these dates with women and growing and changing doesn't really matter. Like, I, I it's literally- not worth it. I haven't rewatched the show and I love rewatching shit. That's sad. It I'm really sorry. made me sad. And, like, that's the other hard thing is it's a really fun, funny show. And I would recommend people watch it. But I'm like, I can't in good conscience do that. Because <laughs> the finale sucks. Because it's leading to garbage. Because it's leading to garbage. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. <laughs> the Mac Daddy. <laughs> All right. Clink me. <laughs> the Daddy wine. Mac. <laughs> uh, Sam's finishing her wine. Here we go. <laughs> What can I say about Game of Thrones that hasn't already been said? <laughs> Very little, to be honest. Yeah. But I still want to hear your spin on it. Game of Thrones is uh, a <laughs> fantasy television program <laughs> that aired on HBO for many years. 
based on the book on the Song of Ice and Fire series by George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> Thank you um, for that context. Though. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we all fucking know, like, there's dragons, there's boobs, there's Jon Snow with his abs. The only three things I need. <laughs> Amen, sister. Yeah, honestly. So please watch Lindsay Ellis' series on this. Please watch many people's series on this. A lot of people have talked about Game of Thrones, but just from like a big nerd's perspective, I was a big Game of Thrones apologist, right? I kept watching even through the rape. Yep. <laughs> Season six and seven were not that great, but I was like, they're building to something here. It's gonna be fine. And then like the first couple episodes of this last season happened and I was like, okay, this is, this is okay. This is gonna be good. This is gonna be good. And then in, like, the third episode, there's this big, like, existential threat of these, like, ice zombies, basically. Right. And there's this one guy, Jon Snow, he's very handsome, and he, this whole season is, like, or not season, series, the entire show, he's like, you guys, these ice zombies. And everyone's like, they're in the north, Jon Snow, we don't care. And he's like, well, I'm in the north, so I care. And he's been fighting these ice zombies this whole time. Finally, he gets everyone else to care, because the ice zombies are, like, coming south. And we're like, okay. So this is going to be the existential threat of the show. The little political machinations, they didn't matter because this big threat is coming. It's a metaphor for climate change. It's a metaphor for nihilism. Like, we're all like, yeah, there's so much there. So they kill the zombies in episode three. And I was like, okay. So. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Because, you know, again, they had been setting this up as the big villain of the whole show for seven seasons. But I was like, they're doing something else. They're always surprising me. They're doing twist in the third act, babe. Yeah. Why not? I was like, okay. And they had, like, Arya kill them, who was, like, this fun girl character. And everyone's mad that it wasn't Jon Snow because his entire character arc had been about the ice zombies. But I was like, no, no, no. I think that's fine because he's going to have something else to do. And I love Arya. And I'm glad she killed the Ice King. So great. This is fine. And then in the next episode, um, basically, there's this lady queen. Her name is Daenerys. And her whole arc has been about um, fighting back against the men that have victimized her, finding her own strength, um, freeing others from bondage. Her whole thing is like that she is the breaker of chains, Um, figuring out what it means to rule and rule well. Um, like, figuring out when to listen to others and when to listen to her own counsel. Like, not a perfect arc, not, like, a feminist icon necessarily, but a really interesting arc about power and female power and, like, what she's doing and what she's aiming for. Yeah, and specifically, sometimes she does things that exert power. Yeah. And she is merciless to those who have proven... Disloyal to her. Disloyal to her. Absolutely. And that's something that was very captivating Mm -hmm. i remember it being captivating to me of it's not like she's this benevolent christ figure it's she's a woman in extreme power yeah and she's good at ruling but she's also ruling and that's that comes with exactly a lot of shitty things that reflect like in this magnetic way when you're a woman in power in a way that doesn't reverberate in the same way when you're just a man killing people which is somehow fine yeah absolutely so i love daenerys i love her whole arc she finally comes to the the magic land she helps Jon snow with the ice zombies they start fucking i'm like great we all wanted that we find that's a net positive for everyone well we do find out that they are um nephew and aunt which we did not know fine with it i'm fine with it Jon snow is not um so so there is a scene where daenerys is like can't we just pretend that we didn't find out (laughs) literally she's like can't we just pretend we didn't find out that we are aunt and nephew and keep boning down and he's like i would love to but i can't and she's like you could and cersei's like off screen like give me a break yeah (laughs) she's like get on my level come here brother (laughs) um but so basically what happens is that everyone is thrilled the ice zombies are dead everyone's like we love Jon snow yeah great But, like, people don't like her as much. So what she does is she goes crazy and she does a genocide. Yeah. Um, Which, I don't know if you guys were listening to me and what I said earlier. I only listen to myself, like, 70% of the time. But that doesn't super make sense with what she's all about. Yep. Like, she's all about, like, fair retribution for crimes. She's all about justice. But she's never really been about, like, burning people to death who were just civilians. 
And particularly against the murder of innocents. Yeah. Or even the victimization of innocents. Exactly, exactly. Like, she's been ruthless and merciless, but to, like, opposing armies. Yeah, and to slavers. Yeah. And to those who are representative of bondage. Yeah. So then she does that genocide. And then um, Jon Snow is like, oh, man. Uh, so then he... She did a genocide, so... <laughs> so then he goes... And makes out with her, but then while he's making out with her, he stabs her. She's dead now. After seven yeah. seasons, she's dead just because she got so distracted making out. She died in a moment of intimacy with a man she trusted. Yeah, love that. And then he just kind of goes to the woods. Yeah, I forgot that part. He just kind of goes to the woods and he lives out his life in the woods. He gets to throw it, I guess. And like his parentage and like his destiny had been this big thing. And then he just kind of goes to the woods. He just like rejoins the Night's Watch like he was going to do the whole time. Yeah. And so I can never watch the show again. Yeah. Because all of the stuff. That was interesting to me about the show and all of the buildup and all the exciting things that could happen. And it just ends with a man in the woods pulling a full fucking Christopher Wilde or whatever his name is. What's his name? Who uh, did Into the oh, Wild. Oh, the guy who did Into the Wild. Yeah. Chris McCandless, right. something like that. Yeah. Google Into the Wild because that's what Jon Snow kind of does. Yeah. And so... I would rather he did, like, a wild, like a Reese Witherspoon. I would rather he found himself. He comes back to fucking... He just went to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, like, for all of the problematic stuff on the show, and there was a lot of it, I kept watching because I was like, there's going to be something interesting at the end of this. And it wasn't even interesting. Yep. It wasn't even interesting. It was just a bummer. And how how dare they do that to you? How dare they? When I stood by them. Yeah. I think the most important thing, and I again, I didn't even watch the show, and I was so fascinated to hear critique of this. And again, I will just say again, particularly Lindsay Ellis's video, when she talks about how clearly this is what they had been working towards, and mm-hmm. clearly, like, they wanted her to return to the madness of the Targaryens yeah. and to prove how power corrupts no matter yeah. how pure the intention and that's what it's about. Like, because democracy is always going to be better than even the most benevolent of rulers. I would have loved if but any in, of that had been the point. Yeah. None, <laughs> yeah, you're like, I could have done any of those ones. I'm in. But really what they had to do was warp a very nuanced character who had become a symbol of... A lot of, not even in a political way, like not even in a feminist way, but just like as a woman who was in power in this political climate, like it just felt so, and I can't even watch it, but just like reading the the narrative of what, what happened, it's like, I think she said something specifically like they had to justify the violence that they did to her body Uh and make it clear that she deserved it. Yep. By making her, in her words, super Hitler, the Hitler that flies. Yes. (laughs) Like, that was the point. And that just is so fucking dull. Yeah. So dull and dumb. And why? And interestingly, the the guy who wrote the book series, George R.R. Martin, he has not finished writing the book. So he gave, like, the showrunners, I think, like, what the bullet points of the ending were, which is probably, like, Danny goes crazy. John kills her. Bran's the king. Tyrion's the hand. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they, he probably gave them that. But he said to them, like, I think this show should be ten seasons. Yeah, there's gotta be more. Like, it can't be... She can't go from benevolent ruler to just crazy fuck fast. In two episodes. Crazy fuck fast. Crazy fuck wad. In one minute. Yeah. Because that totally undermines all the work that they did. And all the work that Amelia Clark did, too, building that character. Exactly. And, like, I think there's a way that... John kills Daenerys and goes to the woods. Could have been a great ending. But this was not the way. Yeah. And if you had maybe seen her 
resolve crumble or power become more important than her values. But no, it's like one thing set her off and then yeah. she went crazy, which is the thing they say about all women in power. Yep. Is that they're going to get too emotional one day and then nuke France. And that's And exactly that's literally what, what she did. She nuked France. The France of Westeros. I mean, it's pretty French, Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I totally hear you about like, what's the point of watching it now? Yeah. So like, again, all these shows, I could still recommend Gossip Girl because just fuck it. But so why not? These other two shows <laughs> that I loved, that I treasured. I cannot recommend that you watch them, you guys, because the, the the destination is not worth the journey. Sometimes the journey makes it worth it. In these cases, no. And I just would say, if you ever write a successful TV show, think about that. Think about the rewatchability when you're writing your finale. Yeah, maybe, um, you know, you have our email address. Send us a manuscript. We'll take a look at it for you. I'd love to do that. Please do that. If you're, if I wish they'd run it by a couple people. I just hope the creators of Westworld email me before they <laughs> before they make any rash decisions. Because I really like the first season of Westworld, and the second season was not as good, and I can't be heard again. Do you hear that, Christopher Nolan's brother, David Nolan, JJ Nolan? I don't remember. He what, writes Westworld. JJ Abrams, JJ Nolan. That doesn't sound real. That doesn't sound real. But his name is no. His name is Nolan and it starts with a J. I will Google it. I'm so mad. Just in case he's listening. <laughs> if you're listening, Jay Nolan, you know who you are. Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan Jonah Nolan. Jonathan Jonah Nolan, you give us a call. Arguably JJ Nolan. Fair. <laughs> That's fair. Please call me uh, before you end this <laughs> end Westworld. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for sharing those very personal details. You guys, thank you for being here for me. Absolutely. And Allie, thank you for the wine you bought before I recorded this. I knew you were going to need it. I really did. Well, guys, thank you for standing by me while I just had that live breakdown. And Allie, thank you for illuminating some history for us. You're welcome. I love to do it. Um, you know, it's an honor. It's a real honor to be with uh, all of you here today. It's an honor and a privilege. It really is. It really is. Um, well, as always, um, please follow us on all of your podcatchers. Follow us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod. Hell yeah. Um, give us a like, give us a comment, drop us some love. Uh, and until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified.